Life is hard. But it could be worse. Life is hard. But it could be worse. Welcome to another episode Life of the hard. Life is Hard podcast. And Rob is going to have to put a, a scarf around his head. I am. In order to stop the bleeding. I am? Yes. What am I bleeding from? Am I bleeding right now? I'm bleeding from through, the head. I'm bleeding through from your headphones. Oh, so you're gonna have to wrap your through. head in a scarf. Oh, wow! Yeah, to, to muffler, that, you know, a muffler. They, they used to wow. call them. Remember when they called them mufflers? Welcome to the punning is hard podcast. It gets harder. <laughs> it only gets worse. And that that probe that we talked about a few weeks yes, ago. Yes, we have an update. Yeah, apparently a very well respected, highly revered cosmologist um cosmologist yeah i should get the guy's name it's in my notes so um, like he does makeup and stuff exactly no no not at all um um can can we do the science music first oh do you remember do the we science, have science music didn't we it was like that's not well right. since but we're talking about an anyway, alien probe sure i think maybe the science music should be more like like Oh, I already got the anal humor. Sorry. <clears throat> Starting out at the ground level. We have nowhere but up to go. <laughs> no, so this guy... Um, Hello, I'm here to probe you. Right, right. Uh, the, the professor's name is like A-V, A-V-I-L-O-E-B. A-V, that's why Avalobe? they want to say it. Yeah, Avilobe. I don't know. I think... Avilobe? I think he uh, might Avilobe? be Israeli, but he lives in this country, so I don't know. Anyway, he's from Harvard University and uh, in their astronomy department. And he insists that there's a pretty good chance based on what they've what little they observed about that probe. They very they got very little data on it because it got spotted late in the game and it was only tracked for like 6 days. This but, is a probe by the way that we initially reported well, we didn't report. We covered stories about last, it saying last year, last year uh it was yeah. November December. And they were talking about it being uh, cigar shaped, possibly cigar shaped. Yeah, it was. It was yes. definitely not round. That was the thing. Is it wasn't round. We ran with the phallic jokes, and I we believe. did. We did, and being probed and all that good anal stuff. And right. um, <laughs> yeah, good it, anal it, stuff. It, yeah, when it not went the around, bad anal stuff. When it went around behind the sun, it actually accelerated. <laughs> Yes. Re- rewind that sentence a little bit <laughs> and think about that in the context of what you just said. The good anal stuff? The good anal stuff. Yeah. He went around behind the sun. Yeah, went around behind the sun and it accelerated. And they, <laughs> they, they, they hypothesized that, yeah, I bet they did. that as a meteorite, it might have had ice that melted when it got close to the sun. And, the, and those ice pockets then outgassed and caused like a, a rocket effect. <laughs> Yes, I know. There's all kinds of... Okay, okay. But it, but this guy says that it had none, none of the other hallmarks of a meteor, and its uh, its changes in luminance as it spun around and stuff were more indicative that it was a disk and therefore a solar... possibly a solar sail, and that it was a traveler. What does that mean? Oh, a solar sail is... Um, we have that technology. It's something, basically, that when the sun hits it, it causes it causes a push because the sun causes like ions to be released from the material. Okay, hold on. So instead of it being a cigar-shaped alien probe, it is now a 
like a, a CD, cookie, like a, a cookie shaped. Yes, okay, like a, a CD, very flat, very thin, very flat disc. A CD shaped alien probe mm-hmm. that, well, or it could have been a CD. Could have been a very large CD ROM. Right, drifting through space. But yeah, let's stick with it because the guy, the scientist guy, the credible guy, still thinks it's an alien, right? He thinks it was sent from somewhere else. Yeah, it would have taken. He said roughly oh, six hundred. Oh, I got you. It's like an unmanned. Yeah, probe. yeah, yeah, yeah. An unmanned, an unaliened probe. probe. Mm-hmm. Right, and it's going to go back home and report back what it found. Got it. But he so said, it's like, uh, it's like, don't we have a a, a thing that just went past? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we just left the just left our solar system, uh, Voyager two, I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's like their version, the aliens' version of that thing. Interestingly, though, he said the closest it could have come from, it would have taken about 600,000 years to get here. So when they sent it, assuming, you know, <clears throat> this is all alleged, obviously, but but when it was sent, Earth would have been, you know, the, we wouldn't have been on the planet at all. There would have been no intelligent life. So they were just, just basically taking it. He says it was probably like a shot in the dark to just see what was here. And of course, They might not even have been aiming for here. I mean, we don't. We didn't aim our Voyager thing, did we? No, we didn't aim it for any other particular solar system, but he thinks their technology is a little better than ours. I mean, that would be the assumption, because if you're going to send a probe out into space, it's going to actually come back to you and give you information. Um, and you're willing to wait you know, a million years for that turnaround, you're probably way more advanced than we are. We're not going to make it a million years. Are you kidding? Well, yeah. We can't even make it a month without a paycheck. So, so slow down. So let's examine the ramifications of this for a minute. I'm sorry, I'm still laughing, but yeah, it's not cigar shaped. It's CD shaped. Well, that's the theory. Yes, it was made by aliens. No, Procter and Gamble. It was made by aliens. All probes, it, all probes are made by Procter and Gamble. We know that. It, anyway, yes, it runs on solar energy, so the sun propels it through space. Yeah, well, be, our our it, sun, any star, right? Um, right. Okay. Well, sure. It can be programmed or maneuvered. It's either pre-programmed to come here and go back, or it can be remotely controlled or something. Right. And the aliens that made it would probably have a lifespan of over a million years. Well, assuming they're still around when it gets back. I mean, that would be the hope, right? But but he thinks they probably sent out a lot of these things in a lot of different directions to different solar systems to see what but was But I mean, the there. scariest part of that is that these beings out there live for a million years because they have enough time to send it and wait and if, get it back. If they do get it back, they'll be way more advanced than we are. I mean, way. I mean, we. So we talked about this before, right? Homo sapiens came into existence about seventy thousand years ago, which, compared to even you know one million years, that's nothing. Yeah, don't spoil the book yet, though. I'm still listening. Yeah, and, well, and and we didn't achieve anything like what we have now, even until the last few hundred years. So, the fact that these people could send out a a, a sophisticated space probe. Um, 600,000 years ago puts them way ahead of us. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. but that my point is that, which that is impressive and kind of scary, is not the most impressive or scary thing to me. The most impressive or scary thing to me is the implication that they would have a lifetime 
not just of their species, but presumably of, I mean, you know, like a scientist is not going to send out this probe and say like, well, I'm going to go lay down now and my great grandkids will report on what comes back. They're not going to do that. They're going to send it out so they can get some information. So presumably they're... Science class of the aliens is going to live long enough to send this thing out and get it back at a million years. Well, now, see, that's an interesting uh, segue into another thing I was reading about, and that is um, artificial intelligence and all those things and, like, where that is going. If we got replaced by a synthetic being, like which could easily happen, we could finally manufacture something that was able to reproduce itself and improve on itself and at some point would be far superior to us both in intelligence and every other capability because it wouldn't it wouldn't rely on you know a specific environment it could travel through space indefinitely you know it could be shielded from radiation and all kinds of things whereas okay. we're we're rather fragile you know we if we're in space for two generations the second generation the generation that's born in space will not have enough bone density to be able to actually stand up on a planet um, whereas a robot's not going to have that problem. And a robot doesn't have to reproduce. It can just literally turn itself off, put itself to sleep for a million years, and then wake itself up when a certain event happens, right? We can't do that. So I guess where I'm going with this is you could have a, a civilization that is already advanced to the point of they're no longer organic. Ooh, so robot aliens sent the probe because they just turned themselves off for a million years and... Like, hey, probe, wake me up when you're back. Well, they wouldn't have to if they were on the planet, but I'm saying that they could. I mean, that's something that robots can do. Uh, well, I mean, conceivably, I don't know what robots currently can do with a battery. But you could have, you know, it would not be inconceivable to have a robot that would literally function a million years from now if it was, you know, in a controlled environment and it, you know, could go to sleep and wake up on some timer. You know, and be maybe get some solar power to just keep the systems working for that million years. Because, you know, who knows? I, I don't. So, I mean, so I have a, we don't have a solar panel that lasts a million years, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be done. So the robot that you're envisioning, right, would be sentient. Yes. Yeah. Well, okay. that's probably. I mean, it wouldn't be much use if it wasn't. It would be space proof. It could be. It, yeah. It could go to space, right? Would it be able to see, in a manner of speaking? Let's just put it this. Let's just put it this way. Okay, uh, the robot could have all kinds of capabilities, but just imagine when you walk into your closet and decide what you're going to put on for the day based on what you're doing. If you're going to go out in the yard and work, or if you're going to go to the office or whatever, a robot, a sentient robot, could walk into his closet and decide which body he needs for that day. He just plop his head onto a completely different body with completely different capabilities based on where he's going, what he's doing. That's what I'm saying. So a yeah. robot wouldn't even necessarily have to have a body in particular. Right. A, a robot could be uh, uh, a Pepsi can or, you know, and, and like in the shape of one. Is well, what I'm just imagine how many times you've wanted to clone yourself because you have too much work for one person to do. If you were a machine, you could literally just like plug in, you know, send everything you know, everything you need to get done to another machine, and it could work alongside of you as if it was a part of you. 
I mean, the, the possibilities for a machine, because we are, as biological creatures in our current state, we are really limited. That's what I'm saying. So, like, yeah. my point is that that quote-unquote probe might not be unmanned, and it might not be manned. It might actually be the alien. Sure. It could be. Or it could have an alien intelligence on board. It could have right. made that's observations. Why, that's yeah. why it doesn't have to wait its million years for data. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's it true. Is. It can send the data. It had to wait the 600,000 years to get here, but it doesn't have to wait for it to get back because it can send that data back in probably 30 years. But maybe there's no so, one to send it back to. I'm saying maybe that is the entity. Oh, oh well, I don't know why it didn't just stop in then. I mean, where is it going? It could just well, well, stop and said, hey. It's just on vacation. It's just cruising around going like, hey, just observing you. Well, hey, just observing you. Yeah, well, that's the Star Trek thing, right? They're not supposed to interfere. Right. And the Starship Enterprise is very disc-like. Well, it's got that little thing on the bottom, you know, but the top is a big disc. And another thing that our dear professor of Harvard pointed out was that because we were barely able to detect this probe, there's no telling how many of these have been by to visit us. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't necessarily see one today, and we definitely wouldn't have noticed it, you know, 50 years ago. So, Jeez. Yeah. So, we've been visited many times and just didn't know. We don't know. I mean, he's just we speaking in hypotheticals, but... Right. Um, yeah. Awesome. I, um, before we get sucked into any more molasses here, I just want to point out that... That this year, January 15th, was the 100-year anniversary of the Great Molasses Flood. Which, the Great Molasses Flood. Which not many people know anything about, because except for <laughs> that little town in Boston. Um, which Quick, I've, I've walk heard. away slowly. Molasses is about to flood. <laughs> no, it was going, when it first spilled out of the tank, it was 2.5 million gallons of molasses. <laughs> and when it first spilled out of the tank, it was moving at they said roughly thirty five miles an hour. Uh-huh. People sure was. people were killed. People were <laughs> overrun by molasses. <laughs> Sorry, I can't say that with a straight face. You gotta be really slow. <laughs> they said it did slow down and it was a very cold day, so eventually it got very difficult to to move it, clean it up, get people out of it, you know, whatever. Um but it's it's it sounds like something out of a um, out of a horror movie. And until the anniversary came, I never knew it actually happened. A really cheesy horror movie. No, not cheesy. Sweet, very sweet well, yeah. horror movie. Yes, sure. Everybody. So, uh, just for anybody who cares, let's see. That I, was. I uh, just want to make that. I want to make that movie to to where everybody's like. Moving in slow motion. Oh, it was in the, Boston. And the molasses is it was in, dripping it, out. It wasn't. Yeah, that was actually in Boston. Very slow. It happened when? Uh, in 1919, January 15th. 19, wow, it's the 100th year. It's the centennial of the great molasses spill. So imagine, though, a wall of molasses 25 feet high and 160 foot wide coming at you at 35 miles an hour. That's what we need to put on the southern border. 
<laughs> molasses wall. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what you do is you put a gigantic 2,000-mile-long tank filled with molasses, right? It could be only the wall could be like three feet thick filled with molasses. And then when someone cuts through it, whoosh. <laughs> It like, just envelops them. That would actually be an impenetrable wall because you would never be able to cut into it. Now, you could still tunnel <laughs> under it, but and you could right. go over it with a ladder, but you couldn't penetrate it because as soon as you did, the molasses would stream out at you and just like cover you up and you'd, be, you'd drown in, in thick, <laughs> slow-motion goo. Maybe we should send that idea up to, to Donald. Yeah, well, he's listening, so I hope I'm he sure is. Yeah, he'll get it. That's, that's maybe we'll tweet at him. Hey, molasses I, wall. I think oh, the fact can't. that we have a science section has scared off the Trumpster. Uh, we have a Twitter account. Life is hard does so. And and I'm uh, and I talk about you know I talk about climate change, and I'm obviously not a climate change denier. So I, I will use it to tweet to the president our molasses wall idea. Okay. Yeah, let him know, because I think that's the best idea I've had all day. I agree. It's probably the best idea you've had, like, maybe ever. Oh, come on, don't go that far. <laughs> I've had some good ideas. But it is an interesting idea, and it's funny how history... This is why people need to learn history. I'm going to, you know, if I ever teach a history class, I'm going to use this as an example. <laughs> the Great Molasses Spill of 1919? Yeah, I mean, when learning about these things, it, it gives you ideas. It gives you... Uh, you know, food for thought, right? <laughs> that one is a good one. Literally, food for thought, yes. Yeah. Um, All right. So, while we're still being sciencey, tell me about the uh, the North Pole. Oh, the the yeah, the poles are moving rapidly. The the actually, it's not the North Pole, the magnetic pole, right? The the magnetic All right, pole. so explain the difference for the idiots out there, well, including and, me. Uh, I want I. That came out wrong. The North what and South, I meant to say is, explain it for an idiot like me. Well, if you but, imagine the Earth spinning on an axis, if you drew a line through some point around which the Earth is spinning, right. then one end of that line... And it's tilted. Yeah, but one end of that line would come out the North Pole and one end would come out the right. South Pole. Sure. However, the magnetic North Pole is not has nothing to do with that. It's a basically a molten mass of iron that is close to the North Pole, and it guides your compass to point generally north. But depending on where you are, that will vary, especially if you're standing at the North Pole. It will not point north when you're standing at the North Pole. It will point south. Well, that's like dividing by zero. There is no north if you're at the North Pole. Right, right. But the point you'd expect, like, the needle to point straight down, right? You're standing, you're, but you're not standing on magnetic north. You're standing somewhere away from it. And when, when ships are traveling in the Arctic Circle... Um, this is a huge variation. So they've got to keep, basically what they do is they actually update the charts. Um, they have some process they go through every, I think it's every 10 years. But they've had to do it more more uh, recently. They had to do it again because it's moving so fast. If they don't update the charts, then the uh, navigation of, of airplanes and ships and all this will be off significantly. So the molten mass of iron... Is not stationary. No, it's it's, it's molten, so it's it's constantly in motion. But that the magnetic north generally stays relatively stable. I mean, it's always moving, but it's not moving very fast. And where is it? Like in the Earth's crust or something? 
Well, it'd be below the crust, right? Because it's it's actually a, a molten thing, so it's it's so what it's in the center of it's the below earth. the mantle. Yeah. Well, no, it's not in this. It's not in the core. That would make no, that wouldn't work. It's, for some reason or another, the circulation of the iron creates a magnetic pole uh, close to the North Pole, but it's moving rapidly. Which is interesting to me because, and when they say rapidly, they mean like in a couple of years it moves a significant distance. And most things, when you're talking about um, geology, you know, when they say rapidly, they mean like, oh, in a thousand years it's going to move 14 inches, you know. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait, 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 wait. That would be uh, 30, uh, 35 centimeters. We have got okay. to stop using the imperial <laughs> measurement system. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Now, we're the last developed country on the planet who uses inches and feet and yards and pounds and, and you know, gallons and stupid sh- things that have nothing to do with each other. <sighs> Sorry. I got off on uh, a tangent there. Well, that was science-ish. I mean, that was... A milligram of prevention... Is worth a kilo of cure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Although that's a huge difference. Well, um, see, I don't know that. <laughs> well, yeah, an ounce is a sixteenth of a pound, and a milligram is a is a thousandth. Not a millionth, by the way. A thousandth of a kilogram. No, a thousandth of a gram. So, did you say? Oh yeah, I said a kilo. You said a kilo, so it's, it is a millionth of a gram of a kilogram. Sorry. Because a kilogram is a thousand grams. You should say a gram of prevention is worth a kilogram of Yeah, but maybe that's right in the metric system. Like maybe the ounce to pound works Mm. out to be milligram to kilogram. No. Millikilo. Well, I suppose. I mean, for just an analogy is a metaphor, yes. But the ratio ratio is not even close. Like in the metric system, you get a whole lot of cure for that prevention. Yes, yes. It's far more efficient. That's why we should move to the metric system, because your prevention is worth more cure. Boy, it's going to be hard. Every time I think about, like, doing everything in metric, I think about the fact that everything we buy... Everything we build, you know, we get a four by eight sheet of plywood that's half inch thick. It's four feet by eight feet, half inch thick. Our studs uh, for the walls in the homes we have are 93 inches because eight foot is 96 inches. And the, and the two by four that lays in the top and the bottom is inch and a half thick. So take three inches away from the 96, you have a 93 inch stud to get an eight foot wall. Everything is done to work but, uh- out. In but also uh, a two by four is one and a half inches. So yeah, that's what I said. You yeah. lost me there. I know, one but one and a half thick by. by I know, but it's called a two by four, and it's one and a half. So yeah, that's screw, screw the English system, or at least the wood system. The wood system sucks. It's three and a half by one and a half, and the reason it is is because it's planed lumber. If you got the rough cut two by four, it's actually two inches by four inches. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to run your fun, but they run it through a planer, and that takes some off. And we always buy planed lumber versus rough cut lumber, but it's okay. I mean, it doesn't matter. Well, then why are they still call it a two by four? I because that's what it started out life as. Started out, life. I mean, just be- all right. So it's like a quarter pounder. <laughs> exactly. Once it's been cooked, it's no longer a quarter pound. Right. Yeah. Hmm. There okay. you go. 
All right. Well, that's too much science for me. I know. I know. It happens. It happens sometimes. So I, I'm not going to assume everyone has seen the Gillette commercial, but I'm sure a lot of people have because it, there's been a huge scuttlebutt about it. Huge. Um, it's been huge. So Gillette's kind of... By the way, I use Gillette razors. and I, no, They're not paying me to say that. I just happen to love Gillette razors. They, they are very sharp and they last a long time. But, but uh, they are more than welcome to pay you to say that. If you're listening, Gillette. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, my opinion on their commercial, though, um, I don't want to be serious about this because so many people are just bashing this thing. Uh, and, and just, okay, my serious opinion is I think it was hopeful. I think it was pretty honest. Um, but having said that, let's talk about the, you know, the um, boys will be boys the, I guess a lot of people can, are, are... Can we explain what the commercial is before you joke about it? Essentially, it starts out talking about bullying. It's kind of along the lines of the Me Too movement. It talks about how a lot of these behaviors are not acceptable and that we've been making excuses. You know, the boys will be boys thing. We've been just basically perpetuating these behaviors throughout the, the generations. The general idea is their tagline is the best a man can get. And they're saying, is this the best that men can get, really? Right, exactly. You know, can, we, can we not do better? Can we not stop bullying? Can we not And of course stop we can harassing? do better. Um, right. but, but given about half the people who've responded to this thing, I would say now there's not really good reason to be hopeful that people are going to do better. <laughs> At least those people, anyway. Um, but they pointed that out, too. They said, towards the end, they said, you know, or somewhere, and the, they said, not all men are like this. Some men are trying to fight the good fight and set a good example and, and all this. But they're like, you know, we can do better. We and But we know men can do this. Like, we know we can and we need to. Um, so, like I said, it ended on a hopeful note. And uh, but 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 people are saying they've joined with the feminists, you know. And, and by the way, I, I am not against feminism. I personally think feminism gets a bad rap because people mischaracterize it uh, if if feminism by definition is seeking equal rights with men then i have no problem with it now if you look at the definition that some people like to use for it where you know women are trying to take over the world and and get you know get the upper hand or something yeah yeah that would be that would just be switching places it'd be creating the same problem just with the shoe on the other foot we're going to dispose of men, actually. Right, yeah. If you so want to it, wouldn't, it wouldn't really be the same or a shoe on the other foot because the men keep the women around. The women are trying to get rid of the men. Okay, if if you assume that's a correct characterization of feminism. Yeah. Which sure. I don't think, yeah, I don't I'm, think it is. I'm, now, there are militant I'm feminists. I'm also being a little tongue-in-cheek about it. Yeah, yeah, you but you realize that they that can. Up, Biologically speaking, women can actually procreate without men oh i know that's what i'm saying yeah that's their goal is to get rid of us and eliminate us to be honest with you our track record is not that good and that's and that's kind of where i come from at this gillette commercial because i'm kind of like they're just pointing out the obvious men need to step back and say yes as a rule we have done a pretty crappy job of teaching our boys how to treat women and how to, you know, and, and creating a society that's that's egalitarian where everybody gets an equal share. You know, it, we haven't done a good job with that. We basically said, yeah, women are supposed to be subservient to men and, you know, women are supposed to know it's their It's in the place. Bible, yo. Sorry? It's in the Bible. 
Well, that that's a big part of it. It is. Um, the Bible is a big part of our culture because we've, you know, we've been a mostly uh, Christian country, but it obviously applies to Islam and a lot of other religions also because religion, for some reason or another, I guess it was written by men. You know, at one time, women weren't allowed to even learn to read and write. Um, although if you go back far enough, women were relatively equal or even above equal, whatever it is, superior to men. If you go into certain societies way, way, way back. But at some point in the last couple thousand years, men have sort of declared women as being, you know, they can't own property, they can't get an education, they can't vote, they can't do all... You know, obviously that's changed recently, but it's changed recently. That's not the way it was a couple hundred years ago. But I think, I mean, if you do, if you look at that, if you just say, look, a hundred years ago, women weren't allowed to vote. A hundred years ago, women were, basically, if a, if a woman lost her husband or divorced her husband, she was almost screwed. Like, she had very few options um, because the jobs she could get were menial, low-paying jobs. You know, she just, she couldn't, she couldn't support herself. Heaven forbid if she had children to support. Um, so you needed a man, right? Well, obviously, we've come a long way since then, but that wasn't that long ago. I mean, we really haven't done a good job of uh, of protecting women, and then this you know this recent thing where we're, all these different guys are being attacked for for uh, you know sexually assaulting women, and I have all kinds of opinions about that because it's depending on the case, some of them are kind of ridiculous. Um, not saying that the person who was and I put this in air quotes assaulted is lying about it. I just question the definition of assault in some cases. Um, so what I think I hear you saying is, ease up, Gillette. We're working on it. No, I, I yeah, kind of, but I also agree with them. I think the message they put out there is is. Spot I was trying on. to be funny. I thought we were going to be oh, funny. Oh well, about I'm this. trying to be funny. Everybody else is talking serious. Well, but you just kind of. I mean, you asked me to put a synopsis on this, and no, I'm not saying ease up, but I am saying they're on the bleeding edge here. <laughs> for for a razor company, that's exactly where you'd expect them to be. Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, they, they've joined the Me Too movement. The question is, it's a gamble from a marketing perspective. It's a gamble that they're taking. Um, but no, I, I think everybody should watch that Gillette commercial just because it's interesting. And then you can pick your side. There's like like everything in this country, everybody is polarized. Um, yeah, I was just going to say that when you said pick your side. I was going to say, does there have to be just two sides? I Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. Are we just for it or just against it? Yeah. I don't know. My question is, is the people who are against it, are they saying it's wrong? Or are they just saying that Gillette shouldn't talk about it? That they shouldn't be on they shouldn't be on on the women's side of this argument, or they shouldn't be dissing men. They should be saying men are great, and we give great shaves to great men. You know, regardless of whether it's true. Well, I think they would probably prefer that type of marketing. But I mean, if Gillette did that marketing, we wouldn't be talking about it. That's right. A lot you of know, people wouldn't I be mean, talking about it. We're not talking about a shit commercial here, are we? Nope. And. And because we live in capitalism, I bet the people at Gillette calculated that. Oh, the- yes. They've got some smart marketing people who did some studies. And, yeah, that's what I was saying. I think they're I think they're on a pretty safe 
bet. Yeah, but even if they piss everybody off, I mean, there's that old adage about any publicity is good publicity. Yeah, know? people forget. This isn't. This wasn't that offensive. I think people will forget about this in a month. Yeah, they probably just, will. Just you know, all, all all Gillette would have to do, or Gillette would have to make like another commercial similar to it. Does anybody even remember that Nike signed Kaepernick? I was just going to bring that one up. I was going to yeah. say the say you know it was a very also similarly calculated decision. And as far as I know, Nike's sales actually improved. So, and, and not only did they well, it's sure because I mean they got a lot of publicity out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, not only did they sign Kaepernick as a spokesperson, they had that one ad, the famous ad with him or infamous, depending, right about. Um, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything yeah you know which he did in a in a way and a lot of people were upset because they didn't really think that he did because he was a second-rate quarterback and all that but was he a second-rate quarterback i thought he was pretty good i'm not a football follower but i was under the impression that he was a pretty good quarterback he he was good one year and then he you know kind of went over the cliff really fast really huh yeah but um and and that was before he started sitting and then kneeling and all that stuff because uh, that was back in 2012 I think was the year that he was good um, or you know really good he took over for somebody else who was hurt and he did really well he took the team to the Super Bowl even though they didn't win they came close and everybody thought he was the next coming of the best player ever and the next year he was just mediocre and he kept getting chances and he kept being mediocre and I don't know what happened exactly I mean I've not gone into the weeds on yeah I mean I've not gone into the weeds on were other players to blame was the system to blame you know was he really just a accidental success you know I don't know the point is that aside from Kaepernick himself being the focal point it there was a certain hypocrisy to Nike telling you to believe yeah. in something even yeah. if it means sacrificing everything when they have you know slave children making their shoes in another uh, country all of these things are hypocritical I mean, you could find. I mean, we 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 bash corporations all the time, but the bottom line is corporations are all about profit. All these things are calculated, and that's my point with Gillette. Yeah. Is that is that you can whether you agree with the message or not, you can understand people who are against the platitudinal. Oh sure, sure. If that's their nature stance. of of a corporation telling me to treat women better, you know, fuck you, make my razors and shut up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, if their stance is that Gillette shouldn't get political or they shouldn't take a position on issues like this, then I mean, that's kind of a stance you'd have to make as a stockholder or something, because otherwise it's none of your damn business. But by the same token, if that's your yeah. stance, I mean, I can't argue that you. I mean, it's just an opinion whether or it's not they none should of our or business either. But we're going to talk about it. Well, I don't. I don't take a stand on what Gillette should do for their marketing. I just say that I think the message was nuanced and 
hopeful, kind of. I mean, it wasn't just like browbeating men, but it was making some statements that I think are totally just, uh, totally uh, uh, supported by current events. And, you know, you can't say that men aren't, you know, talking over women all the time, mansplaining to women. I mean, I find myself doing it, so obviously it's a thing. We just... We're sort of taught to do this stuff. Yeah, but like everything, I mean, mansplaining can be taken too far also. Like, I've heard oh, sure. accusations of mansplaining that is just a convenient way to dismiss a good point that uh, happens to be brought up by a man. Right, you but a classic I mean? example was in that Gillette ad where this woman in the board meeting was speaking and the CEO or whoever was standing next to her said, what she's trying to say is... I mean, <laughs> that, well, okay, yes and no. I mean, yes, that that does happen, and it happens maybe because it's a woman. But, I mean, I've said that thing uh, many times, and not necessarily of a woman. It's been both men and women. But when somebody is saying one thing, and somebody else is not getting it, I'll say what they're saying is, you know, and be well, like the middle person, the mediator type if you said it's not always sexist thing but you should at least say i would be offended if you started speaking for me i would say okay what you hear me saying is whatever you heard me saying but you don't know what i'm trying to say because if i'm trying to say it and i'm not saying it then apparently i haven't actually said it um and you're just interpolating which is may or may not be correct I don't know why you'd be mad at me for that, because I'm trying to help you. Because in that instance, you would be saying something, and the person receiving your message is confused. They don't understand what you're saying. So I try to say it in a different way, the same thing in a different way, so that that person can understand it. It's a a translator. It depends on how well you understood what I was saying. I mean, if I'm... Looking at you going, yeah, I think you've got it there, um, fine. But that's probably not what happens in a lot of these cases because I think what they're really doing is reinterpreting what the person's saying in, or, in a way that's more palatable to the, to the group of men who are sitting around in this room. In, in that particular scene, yes, yes, I would agree with that. I'm just saying that when I've done that in the past, it's not been political like that. It's only been... Well, I'm pretty sure if I explain what someone else is saying, I try to say what I hear this person saying or what I think this person is trying to say is this. And I'm sure I I said it that way. Yeah, I don't presume to say say what this person is saying or what she's trying to say is this, because that would be really presumptuous. Well, I just suck. Well, life is hard. Life is hard. (laughs) But it could be worse. Life is hard, 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 but it could be worse.